We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Everybody, please put hey. a thumb in the air. Hey, everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. You're listening to Broad Street Hockey Radio. That's right, BSH Radio. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. Not a whole lot going on in Flyers land, so we're going we're going looking into the future. Uh, we're going to do that in just a couple of minutes, but first, I've got to tell you about my friends at Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball boxing, golf, and more. BetOnline continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting in your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Let's do the intros, lead it off with the fly by herself, Kelly Hinkle. Yeah, there's nothing happening. As someone who has to look for hockey news every single day to put onto her website every morning, it seems like everyone's gone to the cabin a couple of weeks early this year because there's just absolutely nothing happening. Although Charlie's got something out today, so yeah, that's good. Pumping out the content. I, Kelly, honestly, I, I think the, the reason why this feels weird and I could speak to this because I lived it for the last few years as a full-time writer, is that, like, the last couple years, the offseason has lasted longer because the playoffs lasted longer. Like, the draft last season didn't happen until after 4th of July, and we were still getting, like, signings and stuff happening well into the end of July. Whereas this year, everything was done by 4th of July, pretty much. Like, we're finally back on the normal schedule. So this is actually normal. Like, it being this dead in late July, this is the this is the standard. It's just we haven't been doing the normal thing ever since the pandemic because the entire schedule was screwed. 
Enough. Return to normalcy, baby. Hey, uh, I don't back. remember. I don't remember the before times. I, I don't I remember, remember the before times them. at all. Like, <laughs> I, I don't remember. And that was uh, from theathletic.com. Charlie O'Connor, you got anything else, Chuck? Um, no, I mean, things are honestly really chill right now. <laughs> like, f- for me to keep myself occupied, like, I had to write a Morgan Frost article and, like, essentially bait Bill Meltzer into arguing with me on Twitter. Like, that's how it bored I It was so I am. good. <laughs> oh, that's good so shit. Good. Way to go. I mean, I, look, I, I'm, I love you, Meltzer. Like, I'm I'm cool with Bill, but the fact of the matter is that who the, is the man? The man loves Morgan Frost, and you know, if you put he anything does. on Twitter so that is weird. mildly critical of Morgan Frost, Bill is going to respond. It's an inevitability. I really want to ask him because I'm genuinely curious. Like, why? Why? Like, why are you so obsessed with this one extremely mid hockey player? To- but we I could think, probably like reach out and have him on the show next week. I don't want to ask we? him because he doesn't like me because I made a what? whole ass thing about him calling something the flyby. So I don't think he likes me very much. Oh, so that's I, right. That yeah. Did so I feel like if I ask him, he's gonna read it as shitty, even though I'm I'm genuinely not being shitty. Like I genuinely don't understand why he's so obsessed with him. Um, but yeah, I can't ask him, so I'm not gonna. I'm just gonna continue no. to wonder. I'll see. I'll I'll try to hit him of all the listeners. Of all the Meltzers I follow on Twitter, uh, he's my favorite. Um, <laughs> it's a wrestling reference. I was gonna say there are a lot of wrestling right? Meltzers, yeah. aren't there? There, like the num, like the lead number one wrestling journalist is named Dave Meltzer. Okay, and uh, I actually had this conversation with Bill once because he used to write about wrestling, and. There, another wrestling writer is named Bill Apter, so everyone thought his name was a gimmick, and he's like, "This is my real name. I'm just." Yeah. <laughs> they thought like he was. It was a fake name that he created by. He combining was using the two. a combination of yeah. two other. Yeah, fair, fair. and he was like, "This is my real name." <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, so Patrice Bergeron retired. I guess that's something. Um, that's that's a thing that happened. Uh, but Tony D'Angelo, we talked last week. You know, okay, he he got bought out and. He's still sitting there. Well, he sits there no longer. The Carolina <laughs> Hurricanes scoop him up in uh, the shock of the century. Uh, what the hell happened? The league totally fucked us with some nonsense. Oh, 100%. Cap circumvention bullshit. Like, the, all of a sudden, now we care about cap circumvention with the Flyers yeah. trying to trade a sixth defenseman. Back to the team three of the last from. four Stanley Cup champions have been about twenty mil over the right, cap. But exactly, like Tony this, D'Angelo. This is, the time. this is a bridge too far. <laughs> One point six million that the Flyers were gonna, or the two point five million, whatever the Flyers are gonna keep. That's the one we've got to go after. But um, it's, it's a really good point. Yeah, it, it kind of sucks that we were gonna get something. Like it wasn't gonna be a lot, obviously, and we were still gonna retain salary, but we were gonna get something. And now we're getting no. That's I. I wanted to ask, is it actually better for the Flyers because they don't retain the salary and the salary the yeah. salary retention slots remain open? Yeah, I actually I made that case in my story on the uh on not the signing, because I didn't write a story on him getting signed by the by the Hurricanes, but I did write a story on him getting bought out. And I kind of made the point that honestly they both have positives and negatives. I don't think one is significantly worse than the other. So like the benefit of the trade. Number one is just for optics because you actually got something for the guy. Right. And it doesn't look as bad as you buying him out a year after you traded three picks for him and signed him to a $10 million contract. But they weren't going to get much. Like the guy they were supposedly going to get 
is this guy Rizzo, who's a late round pick. He's an older prospect, has been successful in uh, in college. I believe he played for um, uh, Denver, the same school that Bobby Brink did. So they were teammates for a bit. But like I've talked to scouts, and he's one of those guys that he's liked more by people who just look at stats versus people mm. who actually watch him and say, yeah, his game probably doesn't translate to the NHL. He's probably going to be like a high scoring AHL player. So like maybe you could have had something in him, but it wasn't like he was moving the needle dramatically. No. Whereas in this case, yeah, you don't get anything for D'Angelo. Yeah. He's on your books, not just next year, but a little bit the following year, which isn't ideal. However, you do open up a little bit more space for next season because That's you, o- true. you only have $1.66 million on your books for next year as a charge versus $2.5 million, which is what they would have had had they retained the 50% in the trade. Plus, and this is probably the more important thing that Bill already alluded to, is that now you don't have that retention slot on your books all next season. The rule is, is that you can retain up to three player salaries at one time. The Flyers already have the one retention slot taken up by Kevin Hayes for the next three years. That's not going anywhere. If you would have retained money for D'Angelo, granted, you would only only had it for the one season because he only had one year left, year left on his deal. But that means you only would have had one retention slot left for the trade deadline. Means that, Fair. you know, if if somebody wants to save money on Sean Walker, then you can only retain on him and then no one else. So it just gives you a little bit more flexibility. I don't know if it's going to matter that much either way because the fact of the matter is the Flyers probably aren't going to really need the cap space in two years down the road either because they're still going to be rebuilding. So it doesn't really make a huge difference one way or the other, but I can see a scenario where this is a little bit better if they just want to keep that flexibility open where they want to have the ability to retain two salaries of the trade deadline to maximize assets rather than just one. I actually now, now that I know the the uh, prospect's name was Rizzo, trading <laughs> D'Angelo and bringing in a Rizzo to Philadelphia, that's that's too <laughs> good, man. Trade. I mean, we, he's he, his family is a statue here. Like, oh, come on. <laughs> um, I, I actually, do the Flyers have anyone they'd really need to retain salary on? That's like at yeah. this point. I mean, I, mean, I like, guess you brought up Sean Walker. Guys. Yeah, like Sean Walker's on an expiring deal at 2.65. He'll probably have value at 1.3, maybe not at 2.65. You might be able to get a little bit more, say, for Mark Stahl if you retain some salary, if there's a team crammed up against the cap. And it does give you flexibility. Like, for example, let's say they decide midway through the year that they do want to trade Travis Konechny. You know, maybe you get more in assets for him if he's a $3 million a year player versus a 5.5, you know, it just, it gives you a little bit more flexibility in negotiations. Plus you could potentially serve as a middleman to pick up a third or fourth round pick as the third party in a retained salary deal. If you leave more open. So there's that. That's I'm glad you brought that. That is actually like doing what LA did for the Provorov deal, being that third team, that middleman, might be the most uh, like beneficial thing that this that comes of this. Yeah, or, Minnesota you know, did maybe, it at the deadline. I think it did yeah. it a couple times. They picked up some mid rounders. So hey, you know what? The Flyers are in a rebuild. Not like a third round pick is going to move the needle dramatically, but it's better to have it than not have it. It's something. Yeah, yeah, you're just paying money. If all you're paying for it is money, fuck it. They're not signing any free agents anytime soon, anyway. Of consequence, at least. Um, 
Jeez, is there anything else going on in hockey at all? Like, what happened with the Eric Carl? What's what's going on with Eric Carlson? Well, is there any? I, I mean, yeah, what is going on? With nothing Eric at the moment. That said, right? If, if the Canes have signed Tony D'Angelo, that does hint to me that maybe they don't think they're, they're in the out. lead for Eric yeah. Carlson, right? So I don't know why you'd have both yeah, of so, them. No, it doesn't. Yeah, you have like the worst version of Eric Carlson and Eric Carlson. Yeah, right. Like that's. <laughs> That's, you have don't him. Need, I was going to say on one foot, but we saw him on one foot, and he was still like the He's best player yeah. in the conference final. So, yeah. with Sidney Crosby scored, also on the ice, scored so. 100 points last year. So, and I yeah. don't know. I mean, I guess maybe they could they could justify it as. Well, he's only getting paid what two point six something or one point six something. It's like one point six five. One point six. He's get. He's basically it was his salary is replacing the money that he doesn't get from the buyout. To get him bait back to yeah. his what his salary would be, I'm yeah, pretty that's sure. That's fair. So okay, so he's he's not getting paid that much. So maybe if you're Carolina, you can say if you get if you end up getting Carlson, that okay, Tony, you're our number seven, and if either Brent Burns or Eric Carlson gets hurt, you slide it. Like maybe he's getting paid, you know, a low enough cap it that you can justify that if you can get Eric Carlson. Maybe I mean wouldn't be ideal. You ideally don't want a 1.6 million dollar defenseman, you know, playing 30 games. But if you got the money, I don't know. Yeah. All right. Uh, I don't think there's anything else, really, to talk about. And since the Flyers are uh, you know, building towards the future, and the centerpiece as of now, Matt Vemichkov is a guy who won't be here until about you know 2026, I want to do a show about what this team will look like in that future. Uh, first... Has anyone, Charlie, I keep getting told, like, oh, guess what? Mishkov's going to be here earlier than you think. Is there anything to that, or is it just wishful thinking? I mean, I definitely think that it's out there. It's something where, you know, if they can, they will. And I think Mitchkov personally would very much like to, but it's a difficult situation. It's a difficult situation because yep. you have the tra- the what essentially amounts to a transfer agreement, which really isn't a transfer agreement. It's basically just like a memorandum of understanding between the two leagues. Like, is it technically applicable right now because Russia is literally invading another country? So that makes it complicated for starters. And then there's the fact that, like, look, he does have the three-year contract. So I believe what would have to happen, from what I understand, is that, like, Mitchkoff's camp would essentially have to buy him out of his contract, which, like, maybe they can be enticed to do that, and there, this is where you get into, like, backroom deals and all that shit. But, like, the Flyers c- can't give him more money. Like, they can only give him an entry-level contract. They can give him an entry-level contract with a ton of incentives. Yeah. But, like, they can't give him more than, like, a $925,000 base salary, I believe. So it's not like they can say, all right, well, buy your way out of this contract and we'll make it up to you. Like, they can do it in a roundabout sort of way, but it's not going to be super easy. So, like, look, I'm operating under the assumption that it's going to take him three years to come over. If they get him to come okay. over sooner, great. It's possible. I'm not saying it's not possible. I'm just saying that, like, I think the safe thing here, both for fans and for the Flyers organization, is to assume they're going to have to wait three years, plan accordingly, and if he gets over early, then it's a bonus. That's, that's the way I'm looking at it. 
seen as like the logical Comcast way to Black it. Ops coming next summer. I'm telling yes. you, and that's all. Like <laughs> they could, could extract done. anyone. They could go get the goalie. They could go get Hitchcock. Bring their whole families over. They have the money. Yeah. They could fund Comcast has more squad. money than the U.S. government. Exactly. Like they could figure this out, no problem. Oh, Just wow. hire uh, anyway. Black Ops weirdos <laughs> yeah. that people make movies about. Send them over there with a yeah. private j- jet. I don't know. Seal I don't know what six happens. up to. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Anyway. <laughs> That's, oh, let's send the guys who got Bin Laden. This is yeah. the same thing. A right winger for your favorite hockey team. A terrorist. Like, we need the same sort of fucking... Uh, anyway. Anyway, so, to me, this is my, like, acceptable yet still kind of optimistic timeline for the path back to relevance for the Flyers. I want to know if you agree and we can go from there. Uh, 2023-24, this upcoming season. Draft in the top ten again. Hope for some lottery luck. They might be drafting in the top five. They might be the worst team in the league, especially without the incentive to be fucking terrible that existed last year. Like, you know, even a team like Columbus that had designs on being good, it's like, well, why would we fix anything? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. we're going to be in the yeah, top three. Exactly. Yeah, no, so no, no, you, think... you got Columbus who got injury ravaged, and they're like, why would we bother? Yeah. Then you had Anaheim who had, like, a coach who wasn't an NHL caliber coach, and in a normal year you would have fired him in November, but you're like, eh, you know, yeah. why don't you yeah. just be bad and then give us an opportunity to get a top three pick? And then it's absolutely wild that, in the year the Blackhawks end up losing Taves and Kane, somehow they get the first. It's crazy to me. <laughs> but I guess it's just a coincidence. Nothing to, nothing to see here. Nah. So 2023-24, draft in the top 10 again, hope for some lottery luck. Maybe they're even worse. The following season, being that Detroit, Buffalo, Ottawa territory of mediocrity, hope for more lottery luck. You know, maybe you go 13-2 again. It's happened before. The, fu- the year after that, Make the playoffs. Be a bubble team. Get in. Then Mishkov gets serious. Start spending some fucking money. That feels this seems very like a realistic. proper timeline. I I kind of love it. Not gonna lie. I mean, I did a story, and this was purely a fun story at the end of last week, it which was, was fun, which was a like, hey, if this rebuild goes perfectly, what might it look like? And I I went. I went balls to the wall here. Like we're talking, I gave the Flyers Kirill Kaprizov in free agency in the summer of 2026. <laughs> I had them, I had them trade for Victor Hedman as a 35 year old to be the Chris Pronger of the new generation. Like I went, I went all out. That's watch us. Oh my God. If they got Kaprizov, like watch us become the Russians. Yep. Like we're, we're the new cap. <laughs> <Red Wings. Let's laughs> That's the, that will finally, <laughs> that will finally prove the good old boys network is done. Like when, yeah, right. like we are no longer fighting communism. It is no longer the Cold War on Broad Street, and we actually become the Russian team. Oh, that would be tremendous. But but I do uh, so. But, but the the underlying premise behind the piece was kind of in line with what you're saying, Bill, which is that if you do this right and you get some luck, which like I know it's the Flyers, yeah. they are the most unlucky franchise in existence. But if it has you, to come up heads eventually. You would think, right? Like, like you know, if, if you do it you right know. and you get some luck, that yes, I do believe that it could be 2026, 2027 is the like, we're off to the races year. We get Mitch Koff, we supercharge the hell out of this thing, and then boom, the Flyers are back. I don't think it's completely out of the realm of possibility because as I've said, 
it's not that the Flyers lack talent. They have some good players. They have some good pieces. It's that they don't have the top of the lineup pieces. They have a bunch of good second and third line guys that are all playing above where they should because they're not stars. With Mitchkoff, you're hoping you have one star. If you, let's say you're the fourth or fifth worst team in the league this, this year, and then you jump up to one or two, suddenly you got a good chance at another star. Then, if, you, if this whole culture thing works the way they want it to, and you start overachieving a little bit, then suddenly you maybe become yep. a team that players who were in free agency might be like, you know, they got something cooking here. I might want to join. And you have a lot of cap space that you could throw at these guys. Suddenly, that's And your best players team. on an entry-level contract in his yep. prime. Exactly. So, yes, there is a scenario where, like, this could work out real well. Now, granted, that involves them not screwing up anywhere. Like, that involves them not overpaying anyone. Yes. That involves <laughs> them not making a mistake on a draft pick that's in the top ten. Like, there's a lot of things that have to go right, but I don't no think— No injuries, no Russian prison. Exactly. Like, like And Sean, all of these Sean things have— has to come back and be somewhat close to Sean Couturier. Like, there are some things that have to go right for this team that are definitely, okay. like, questionable. You know what I mean? And I'm glad that's an excellent segue. We've been planning on this show for two weeks, and we're finally getting to it. Uh, so I, maybe Charlie did that intentionally, but He's this conversation really, to me at least, begins with Sean Couturier. And I can't say, oh, well, is he going to be so? We have no idea. Yeah. Like, we just, we just don't know what he's going to be. If he, like, I guess he's supposed to be ready for the start of this season. Right, he was like that's he, the, well, he, he, was he was ready. He was trying to play at the end of last year. He could have played. Now, whether it was a good idea, if he okay. should have played, I don't know. But like, he <laughs> was cleared. He could have played. So presumably, he really should be really ready by September if he could have played in March. Okay. Yeah. So, if he is some semblance of. The Couturier we are all familiar with. Selkie-ish Couturier. Maybe not the guy, but still in the conversation. A 1C with highly skilled wingers. Um, what do you do? I think you try to trade him. I mean... Can you? I, well, I don't know if you can, he's got a no try. He's got a no-movement clause. So that's, well, that's, that's the, that's that's part the starting yes. point, which is if yeah. he doesn't want to leave, he's not leaving. It's the same thing with right. Drew, where like every year we hear they should trade Claude Drew. You know, I'm I'm talking like, you know, in twenty seventeen. It's like, look, if right. Claude Drew doesn't want to leave, you're not trading him because you can't. You're literally not allowed. And it's the same thing with Couturier. Now, if Couturier comes back, is still real good, and decides, hey, I've never won a Stanley Cup before. I've actually never been out yeah. of the second round before. I'd like to do that before I can't play anymore and he's interested in leaving, then you have to strongly consider it because the fact of the matter is that the guy's 30 going on 31 with a near $8 million a year cap hit until like the end of the decade. Yeah. You got to consider Boston. Boston is a good team. They They could use him. Yeah. They've got a hole now. (laughs) No, that was the, I saw that going around Twitter today and it was very funny, but like to, to Charlie's point, like, he's going to be 31 in December. He turns 34 the year we expect Mishkov to come over and things to be real. 
Like, maybe, again, they make the playoffs the year before that or something. But 34, and you're finally getting the star here. I I can't see why he'd want to stay. I know this is hockey, and they're all dumb, but, like, it's not the NBA. But, like, this is a rebuild. Yeah. And also... Maybe he's just one of those weirdos who loves hard work and he'd get along with the coach. It's not exactly going to be paradise here during the rebuild. It's like, a fair point. It's not just going to be, well, let me fuck around for two, three years. You know, It's going to be a little vacation because wins and losses don't matter. Like, No, the coach is going to be kicking your ass every day. And you're one of the highly paid guys, so he like expects something out of you, even though the team's intentionally terrible. Like... It's not going to be a fun experience, I don't I don't presume. Kevin Hayes is gone. He was one of the fun guys. I like, was going to say, there's a solid chance that Couturier becomes John Tortorella's new Kevin Hayes as the one to, like, target as the, you better do everything right because you're making all of the money. Otherwise, I'm going to go in front of Charlie and a microphone and tell everyone that you suck. Like... <laughs> and like we and we saw coming back from injury is no excuse with Kevin nope. Hayes and Joel Farabee. It was like, yeah, these guys aren't doing what we need them to do. Like, <laughs> I I'd like to think that, it, assuming that Sean Gattere is at least eighty percent of what he was pre back surgeries, I'd have to believe that John Torrell is going to like this guy because he's just you would he's think. such a you like would think. he's such a hardworking yes. like defensively oriented does all the little things yes. right type of guy. Like you'd have to believe that Torts is going to like him. But, like, you never know with Torts. Like, he might just no. decide that, like, Couturier doesn't yell enough, so he doesn't like him. I, I don't know. Also, Torts is a big dog guy, and Sean Couturier's got a bunch of cats. Ooh, so. yeah, that could be a deal ah, breaker. shit. Didn't Uh-oh. think of that one. <laughs> I just, that like... an extremely Steph thing to say. I'm very proud of myself. <laughs> like, if you end up... If Couturier ends up staying here, we are talking about a when this team is supposed to be good again, guy in his mid-30s making close to eight million bucks. Yeah. Uh, is that, like... I think... Do, are could, they going to need the cap space more than they're going to need him? Yeah, like, I, yes. think, I think you could deal with it just because the cap is going to go up dramatically by then. So I think you, I could, you could manage it. But... I do believe that by the time Mitchkoff is here, assuming he gets here, by the time he's here, even in an optimistic scenario, Sean Gattari will be overpaid at his captain. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that when that contract was signed, it was obvious to all of us that the back end of it, he was probably going to be an, an albatross. Like, yeah. It was probably oh. going to be a problem, but that's that's how all of those contracts go. Yeah. Like, you know the back end of it's going to be shitty, but you don't care because you're not going to be the general manager when that happens anyway, so you give them the contract. Yeah, and also, Sean Couturier was, was very good when the contract was yeah, signed. You, Nobody you knew think his you, whole rack was going to break. Yeah, you think you're going to get, like, I, I've said this before on the show, like, Sean Couturier was not, when he signed that contract, this is before the injuries, like, I would say he was a better than a $7.75 million a year player. So basically what you're getting, you're getting like a guy who's probably like a 9 or $10 million a year player for cheaper than he is. Right. So you're getting him at a bargain for the next two to three years. And then you're paying him a little bit more over the final five to, you know, four to five years of the deal. The problem is, is that he spent the early part of the deal hurt and now the team stinks right. and they're rebuilding. So what value are you getting out of the early part of the you're deal? Never getting, yeah. 
you get you never get the value that you anticipated. So I just saw something uh-uh. that I think really, really works well in the Flyers' favor here. Oh boy. The year before Mishkov is supposed to come over, 2025-26 is or no, through that season. So the year he's supposed to come over, new CBA. We're gonna get compliance buyouts. <laughs> oh, we don't even need to care about Hello. the cap space. I mean, don't we need a lockout yeah, to get those though? Maybe there's gonna be a lo- uh, there's gonna be a lockout, Charlie. I don't want a lockout. There's a fucking I lockout every time. Oh god, I need a strike. Bill, Bill, Jesus Not Christ! Not a lockout. You just a strike. You just ruined my day. Because what is going to happen <laughs> is that... four years from now. No, no, no. It's because we're going to get we're gonna get Mitch Koff over. It's going to be like, yeah, here we go. It's time. And then we're going to lose a season because there's a lockout. <laughs> we're going to lose like, the season. This is such... This yeah. is like what's going to happen. It's, it's gonna going be like, to happen. It's going to be the time. And then we're going to lose a season because the league is a dumpster That's fire. 100... Because I was going to make that point, Charlie. And then we started talking about the Couturier thing. I was like, oh, compliance buyouts and forgot about what's actually going to happen. What's going to happen is, but you know what? It it worked out pretty well for the Penguins. You know, like there's a lockout. We lose a season. It's like, hey, you get to pick again. Uh, Just take another guy. Here you go. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Fucking asshole. (laughs) Yes. This is like, I want to put some sort of money somewhere on the 2026-27 season is at least delayed like yeah. it starts in we just talked about how it's a return to normalcy no <laughs> no that's that ends in two or three years hockey uh, needs yeah, a torture. january probably yeah hockey needs to torture flyers fans just a little bit more just a little we'll win the cup that year and everyone will be like yeah but it's a short year so it's an asterisk <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 1975 still doesn't count oh, uh, God. <laughs> all right so Outside of, like, Couturier's health and effectiveness, is there a guy who this coming season is bigger for than Joel Farabee? Like, figuring out what the hell he is, what he could potentially be worth, if he's part of the future. Like, we don't... Again, we just saw Jack Eichel look awesome, finally, uh, in the playoffs. He looks like he's Jack Eichel, the guy that got drafted first overall. Second. Oh right, it was second. Yeah, he was the that other was the guy. Matthews draft. Yeah, well, no, he it was the uh, there was a McDavid draft. That was the McDavid one. I believe so. Yeah, right. I think you're right. I think yeah. you're right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because it anyway, was like Eichel would have been a first overall drafted. pick any other year. It was just yes. he happened to be behind. That's like, what it is. The best player it's, of the he generation be first, but yeah. yeah, yeah. He's you know like Mishkov basically. Um, sure. Let's go with that. We finally saw Jack Eichel, regardless of where he was drafted, look like the guy. We remembered pre-injury, and he had an awesome playoff. Had a real argument for Conn Smythe. Um, is that what we should expect out of Farabee now that it's been a full season? Like, okay, I gave you last year. He started to look a lot better, I thought, like later in the year last season. Full. Should we kind of be expecting that again? I mean, don't be expecting Here's Eichel because he's not as good as Eichel. But no, not I just no, mean but... the return to his former le- like what we thought he was getting to prior to the injury. Obviously, Here's... he's not Eichel. Here's the problem with expectations like that: is it even if he's good but doesn't reach this expectation that we've arbitrarily set for him, then he's going to be a problem but not really. Like, it's it's like the ghost thing all over again. Like, you do one 
brilliant season and then everyone expects you to do that every season thereafter and if you don't even if you're still a solid hockey player you become a disappointment and a problem that needs to be solved and so I think it's probably better just to go in more hopeful than expectant and just kind of like hope that he's good because it it doesn't really matter if he is or not this season like we just need to see it so I I don't know I just don't want to set a high bar that he doesn't clear and then all of a sudden you know the media and the fans are talking about Joel Farabee as some kind of bust see I feel like I'm not necessarily expecting that to happen just because of how underwhelming he was last year. Like, I think a lot of people have kind of forgotten how excited they once were about Joel Farabee. And I almost feel like, mm. like, I don't think Farabee has to go out there and be like a 70 point guy for people to be like, yeah, he's back. Like, I think if he goes out there and he scores, you know, let's say he scores 28, 29 goals and, you know, pops in 55, 60 ish points. I think people will be happy with that. Now, I do wonder how he's going to click with Tortorella because, I mean, they butted heads a little bit last year. Tortorella ultimately came to the conclusion that, you know what, I'm giving you a pass this year. You know, I'm impressed that you came back so soon from the injury, that you knew you weren't going to be 100% all year, and you said, no, I think it's important for me to play. I like that about you. I'm not going to judge you too harshly on what you can't do this season. That said, that pass is gone next year. Now, yeah, he's yeah. going to be getting the full torts experience. And I'm very curious to see how he's going to respond to that because you could already see him chafing a little bit under it last year and being like, hey, dude, cut me a break, which, like, last season, fair. But I do think there might be an element from torts of, like, hey, you asked me to cut you a break, I cut you a break. You will be getting literally negative breaks being cut next year because I gave you last year as a pass. I do think I was encouraged uh, by the way Farabee ended the season. You know, he had, I think, 15 goals last year, which obviously we're looking for 20-plus out of him. Hopefully he turns into a 30 guy. Because yeah. he's a guy through the first first season and a half of his career, I was going game logs, him versus David Pasternak, and they're scoring at, like, the exact same rate. Last year, 15 goals, but... Six of them in the last 15 games. He also had six assists in that time. Seemed like he really kind of started to find something. Uh, maybe just work himself back into shape. Look, feel more like his uh, his regular self. He was playing about 18 minutes a game at that point. I, I think it's definitely possible he could be the guy who scored, you know, 20 in 55 games in, uh, you know, the 2021 when we really started to get excited about him. I, I would love to see that again. And I think this season is huge because, man, he could be part of this stacked wing core or he could be not. I would love for him to be because it's one less guy you got to replace. But Gauthier, Mishkov, Forster, Tippett, Farabee, that's but damn good, man. That's Well, they're hoping Gauthier's a team of, They have no centers. They're hoping uh, Gauthier's a center. Well, they're trying him there. Well, I mean, he played, trying he played center the entirety of his freshman year at BC and looked pretty good. Now, whether that's where his best position is in the NHL, I don't know. He played wing at the World Championships, killed it at wing there, but like he was over a point per game as a freshman in college at center, yeah. almost exclu- exclusively. So that's enough for me to say that like this could still work. Like I saw nothing last season to tell me that he can't be a center. And we still don't know what becomes of Travis Konechny 
we still don't have the answer to those questions. Is Morgan Frost a winger, a center? We'll find more. Looks like they like him at center, but I I have to believe this is kind of like that make-or-break season for Joel Farabee, whether or not he's going to be part of this yeah, because they I are agree. so stacked at wing. I totally agree. And, and right, I think, we have to— uh, I, I think they know—yeah, we can. Yeah, we'll, we'll do the break, but I think they yeah, know, yeah, understandably, yeah. with Farabee, that like they couldn't—even if they wanted to, they couldn't trade him this past summer. Because his value no. was at an all-time low. It wouldn't have made any sense. If he has a good year, but, like, Tortorella decides he's not one of his guys, yeah, I could absolutely see him getting moved next summer. 100%. Would that be, before we take the break, would that be a surprise to you? Because I feel like, man, the way we talked about him prior to the injury was, like, next Gagne. Like, underrated two-way goal scorer. And... It's hard to come by those dudes. It would be a bummer. I really like Joel Farabee. I, I really like his game when he's playing at his best. Unfortunately, we didn't see a lot of that last year for obvious reasons, but I I want to be excited again about watching Joel Farabee play. I'm hoping to see that this season. Now I'm pissed off uh, we, all over again about John Tortorella's input on the rebuild, but <laughs> we don't need to talk about that again. It's, <laughs> I listen, it's, we'll, we'll see if it works or not, man. Like There's, there's pluses and minuses. Right, we have to take our uh, we have to take that little mid show break that we're supposed to do. So we're going to do that right now, and we're going to continue this conversation on the other side. All right. Speaking of uh, speaking of Travis Konechny and potential the potential of this wing core, they have to trade him at some point, don't they? Like I know maybe they think okay he's going to be our he's going to be Tortorella's next Cam Atkinson, man. This year and next year left on his deal, and he'll be 27 in March, oh right around the deadline. How do you do it? Like, how do you not trade? I forgot about Cam Atkinson. Yeah, he's coming back, too. Like, fully, fully forgot about him. He's another dude. He'll be back. He's a hockey player that I plays for the Flyers. He's certainly going to try to come back, so we'll see. All right. He's another Sorry. guy where I think, Back like, to Joel Farabee. He's another guy where you as we said with Couturier, where if he comes back and proves he's healthy, you got to have a conversation with him where you're like, so you, you want to play somewhere else? Because, you know, if you want to win a cup, it, it ain't going to happen here. Oh, I th- like Couturier, I think it's a conversation. I think it's a text message to Atkinson, like, yo, dude, we're shopping you. Like, right? You know? right. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. you, you want that, right? Yeah. Well, you can do well, better why, than here. What are you doing? Like, if Cam Atkinson shows any sort of competence, like, if he's anything close to what he was prior to the injury, he should be traded before Christmas. Like, it, th- this shouldn't even be a deadline deal. Like, it's sh- okay, like, we're set at wing, man. Like, yeah, I, I know fair. we want competition, and you want certain veteran leaders around and everything, but we no, need to don't. get these guys fucking playing so we can figure out who's gonna be part of the future. Like, those three, I don't want those three years to come up, and it's like, yeah, we're still figuring shit out. Like, no, no. Like, no. I, I want to be hitting the ground running when Mishkov gets here, and it's like, now we're cup contenders. Like, that's that's my goal for when he gets here is they were a borderline playoff team. He gets here. They spend some money. Boom. It's 2008 again. Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't it? Remember how fun those times were? You know what? We'll we be des- so old. Then. We deserve it. Okay? We do. We really do. We deserve some fun seasons. The three of us specifically. So the three and of also us specifically. Stephanie J. Driver. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And Steph. Like, haven't we earned yes. it? We've like, earned from it. Fucking, we're 
sitting here talking about this bullshit like for since 2016. No, we deserve a good team. God damn it. Uh, so this one that really like once I really looked at uh, Konechny's contract, it just like he's eligible for an extension next July 1st. Yeah. And mm. Charlie said Charlie said at the top. Like okay, this is this is a, an optimistic but possible timeline. If they make no fuck ups, they can't make any long term deals, right? Like there's not gonna be a Risto or a Sanheim sort of brain fart where it's like, what are you doing? What what? You just hired a coach to evaluate everybody, but you gave a defenseman who needs evaluating eight years. <laughs> that seems foolish. Wow. Like they're not yeah. gonna do th- other unless there's like. A breakout season of uh, like Cutter Gauthier comes over or something like. There over the next two years, there can't be any long term investments, right? So look, let me put it this way: if there's a guy that they that I think they would maybe break that rule for, it might be Connecting because they like him that much. That said, I mean, I'm very much of the opinion that like, I don't, you don't, you didn't necessarily have to move in this summer, if. There weren't any offers that were incredible, but like you're going to have to move him at some point before his contract expires. So like, you know, try to up this value as much as you can before you move him, so you can maximize it. That's my opinion. That said, like, is there a scenario where Konechny could fit? Sure, there is. If you think he's going to age well, if you think he'll be willing to sign a deal that isn't like completely breaking the bank type of deal, like the the scenario I put in my like fun, the rebuild goes perfectly type of article is basically that Konechny stays on an $8 million cap hit basically because the Flyers win the lottery and get Macklin Celebrini. And then like, <laughs> and Danny's basically like, you know what? Maybe this ain't going to take as long as we thought. I'm keeping TK. Like, you know, maybe. Macklin Celebrini is such a fake name. Like that's the name of a character in Archer. Like nothing about that. <laughs> No, that's that's a straight up like um you're in year four of your franchise, you draft Macklin Celebrity. Yeah. That is yeah. an AI generated hockey name. It's a great hockey that name. That is uh, it's it is it's great. right up there with Braden Shen. Oh no, that's a real guy. <laughs> he's uh, real. He's real, I swear. But like I like I could see that. If if the Flyers think that this is going really well and it's going quicker than maybe we originally thought, I think they would be if if Konechny is still here. They would be tempted because I think they like him that much. What do you think? Like, is that his true value? Like eight mil a year? I mean, I think it's just probably his true value at the start of the contract. If he proves, if he proves that this past year is who he is now, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Right now, if you're evaluating, where you're like, well, he had the great year, but like the previous two years kind of stunk. Like this, this version maybe not, but like if next year he goes out and scores eighty, then yeah, like then yeah, he's he's an eight million dollar year guy, hundred percent. If that's the case, wouldn't he be worth the most now in a trade right oh, now? Hundred percent. You yes. get hundred percent. You get two full years of a guy at five point five who's worth eight, which is why I would like, trade him. But I, I, I think just, I just think that I like him so much, and yeah. I just don't see a world where it makes any sense to keep him. Yeah, and the yeah. thing that's weird about it is like, like we know Briere's fully committed to an actual rebuild, so like 
why why not? Like, what do you need Travis Konechny for? You're well, not trying to be good right now. The way they would look at it and the way they would justify it is this. They would look at it and say, all right, if we let Travis Konechny go or we trade him or whatever, then like right now his contract expires in 2025. Are we just going to have to go out in free agency in 2026 and spend $8 million on another okay. Travis Konechny? So why don't we just keep the guy we know likes it here and is good? That's fair. That's a great point. You know, it's not like you get 24-year-olds in free agency. Exactly. Now, they could get aggressive again, throw out some offer sheets. You know, that's always a problem. <laughs> but typically, Spicy. you don't you sign guys for what they did, and then you cross your fingers on the end of the deal. So it kind of wouldn't be a huge difference, Konechny versus other guy with same production, you know? Yeah. yeah. I will say that, like, if they are to hang on to him, I get, you'd have to sign him long. Like, he's not going to sign a three- or four-year deal. Yeah, right? I mean, like, maybe you could get him on, like, a six-year deal so it doesn't go, like, all yeah. the way until he's, like, 37 or something. But, like, yeah, you're not going to get him on a three-year contract. He'd be stupid to sign that. Because my... Yeah. Yeah, <clears throat> no, he, that would be very foolish. My uh, My thought is just, like, when this team is starting to turn the corner, they are going to still need assets you know, for trades to improve the team. True. Could he be a guy who's here, but he's like a cross between 07 Forsberg and 09 Lupel, where ultimately <laughs> he gets you something else, you know? Maybe. 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 I we mean, gotta hope that, that Danny Breer is not so free with the new True. I, I do think that That's... the real wild card here, and this is something that, like, I don't know how much this is going to change the way GMs do business. I know it's going to change it. I just don't know how much because it's going to be so different. Like, I don't know what it's going to be like in an environment where the cap actually goes up a lot every year. Because, like, that's going to happen. And it just it feels like so long ago. When teams were like, "Yeah, I can Had plan, space, like I can plan moves. for an extra four million dollars next year because the cap is going to go up because it always does," and like we're going to get back to that world. And I don't know if guys like connecting because like right now, like you saw this summer, Kevin Hayes, darn useful player. He has a seven million dollar year contract. He's worth literally nothing. We are going to get back to a world where he's high, worth nothing at half. Yeah, where high paid good players might be worth something in trades again because teams will actually have cap space again. Like, that might happen. And if it does, then maybe the entire complexion of this changes. I just don't know because it's been so long ago, and I don't know if GMs have changed the way they think about team building forever because they had to all live through this <laughs> three-year period of having no money available. You know what I mean? Yeah. Perhaps it's going to be like... It's going to be like our, uh, like, grandparents who grew up in the Depression, and, like, they're hiding fucking money, and, like, don't yeah. waste any bread ever, and it's like, we're fine. Like, everything's fine. Like, you can put your money in the bank, I promise. It's okay. Like, GMs <laughs> yeah. are going to be, like, looking over their shoulder yeah, constantly. Right. Um, will Morgan Frost be on the next Flyers playoff team? What's up with him? That's Why a fascinating question, yet? man. Also, the answer to that is unequivocally no. Playoff team? No. 
Yeah, it's on a the fact- team next year, probably. I mean, he's gonna be. By like, my, he's got on be. the team next year. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But by my deadline, the next playoff team is 2025, 26. The yeah. year before Mishkov comes over, is Morgan Frost on that team? Nope. Like to me, that's the 08 team before they they really get going in 09. Do you think they're gonna sign him to a long a long deal? I mean, I don't know, but I feel like if he was. If it was destined that he was going to get a, just a two-year deal, like why wouldn't have they signed him with York and Cates? Like the two-year deal is easy. The fact that he's not yeah, yet but, signed tells me that they're at least talking about a longer deal. Unless Frost was just like no, because he knows he's not that good and is probably going to get max value right this moment, and so he doesn't want a short-term deal. I guess that's possible. I, mean, I don't you never, know. You never know the dynamic, but I. Why would a player ever think that he's not that good? Players always think they're good. That's true. They're all stupid. <laughs> and like Frost, <laughs> the, the thing with Frost for me, and I had this debate on Twitter today. It's just that, like, look, he's clearly a useful NHL player. He took that step yeah. last year. It's just like right now he's a third line center to me, and while. I think he can be a perfectly fine third line center in an NHL team. If I'm trying to build a contending team, I'd want a better third line center than last year's version of Morgan Frost. Now I could live with it. Like I could live with having Morgan Frost as my third line center. If the rest of my team is real good. And if Morgan Frost takes a further step, then I could even be excited about Morgan Frost as my third line center. But like the Morgan Frost from last season, like He's fine, and I know he scored a ton of points from December 11th on, basically after he had that big breakout four-point game, scored a lot of points. But, like, people always bring up the comparison between him and Owen Tippett, and, like, I'm sorry. I am as much of a stat guy as you're ever going to meet. I watched those two guys play. One guy took over games. One guy was mostly just kind of there. And, like, yeah— Frost did did enough stuff to score a lot of points. And, like, I acknowledge that he's a good passer. I acknowledge he has skill. But, like, there was only on rare occasions during that run where he was scoring a lot of points where I was like, man, Morgan Frost has taken over this game. Where there were multiple occasions, like, once a week when I would watch Owen Tippett for an entire period, sometimes an entire game, be like, yo, this kid is good. Yeah, that comparison makes zero sense whatsoever there were i just i guess it's just the idea of a late bloomer not really given as much opportunity but no like there were extended periods of times in games last year throughout the season it was like is owen tippett the best player in this game yeah like and i'm not saying like i'm not saying that's ultimately what he's gonna be but i don't know a dude with potential like charlie said to take over game i do not see that in morgan frost as of yet, I'm very interested to see if he takes a further step this season. Also, while he did score a ton of points, like, he had two four-point games against Arizona. I realize it's all the NHA, but, like, is it? Is it? No, and, <laughs> he, and I actually... But even without those games, yeah. he scored a ton of points Yeah, but, but in the second half of the season. But I, it's a reasonable critique. So I actually looked this up. I did my, my season review of Morgan Frost for this morning. Uh, which is where the Twitter debate came from. But I looked this up because it's a criticism you hear about, like, Frost only does really well against bad teams. And at least last season, that was true. So I'll give you the numbers here. So I basically broke it down into three tiers. I broke it down into bottom-tier teams, so teams that that finished 
uh, from 21st on to dead last in terms of points percentage, not including the Flyers because they were in that group. So 11 teams there. Obviously. Then mid-tier teams who finished between 11th and 20th, and then top-tier teams that were in the top 10. So he had 29 games against bottom-tier teams, 26 games against mid-tier teams, 26 games against top-tier teams. So a pretty even distribution. Against bottom-tier teams, he scored 25 points in 29 games, which is a 71-point pace over 82 games. Against mid-tier teams, his scoring pace was down to 35 points per 82. Against top-tier teams, it was down to 32 points per 82. So, like, it is 100% true that Frost racked up a significant number of his points against bad teams, and against the, the better teams was nothing special. Now, could that just be a one-year fluke? Was it just the fact that, like, hey, he just happened to be real hot that one game against the Coyotes, and it wouldn't have mattered if he was playing against the Colorado Avalanche. He still would have scored four points, maybe. And in a large sample, we'll get a better read. But it is 100% true that last year, he did kind of inflate his point totals a little bit by beating up on the bad teams and didn't do that much against the good teams. That is true. That is actually what happened, and that's a reasonable critique. And while, yes, made great strides, like Charlie said, from December 11th through the season, was awesome. The first 27 games of the year do count, though. Like, at the end of the year, he had 46 points. Okay, that's a nice number. It's it's nice. But, like, if you can't show me through a whole season, we're trying to eventually be a team that wins the division. Like, has a top seed in the playoffs, goes to the Final Four, wins the Stanley Cup. (laughs) You need guys who don't just get hot for a couple of weeks, and at the end of the year, it's like, oh, nice point total. Like, no, you need some consistency. I know we always say, like, all goal scorers are are streaky and everything, but, like, what did he have in the first 27 games of the year? Like... 11 points or so? Not yeah, even, I don't it was, think. Yeah, I have this in my article. six points in the first 27 games. Six points. Yeah, and it wasn't just that, like, look, goal scorers are streaky, everybody's streaky. I've said that for years. However, there's a difference between being streaky and being an outright liability. And, like, like you can be... You can be cold, but still be doing some other things. Morgan Frost, for the first two and a half months of last year... He's, Morgan Frost scores. Like, he was just bad. He was... They, the Flyers were getting buried in terms of shot and chance differential when he was on the ice. They were getting outscored. He wasn't scoring points. He wasn't producing on the power play, even though he was on the power play. Even when he was getting fourth line minutes at even strength, they were still using him on the power play. He wasn't doing shit there. Like, you can't have that. The He has to... Even when he's not scoring, there has to be some sort of value there. And last year, yeah, for the final 54 games, there was real value there. For the first 27, he was an outright liability. And, like, that's going to be a big part of next season for him is that he has to show that, like, even when he's going through his down stretches, that he's not totally useless like he was for the first 27 games. That's, like, Morgan Frost needs to score to be useful. Like, that's... Yeah. Yeah. He's not That's Sean Couturier, where it's like, oh, six games without a goal, it's fine. He's a Selkie-level defensive player. Like, no, that is that is not Morgan Frost. One Now, since we just buried the guy, I want to bring up a positive that I see. 40 points in the final 54 games of the season. Pretty good in the total for him there. Only four on the power play. 
Like he was producing at even strength oh, it was quite all a bit now. Strength. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and if he like can now you'd like to see more no, on the power can, play. If Ross can figure out the power play, we might have something here. And like the thing is that he should be able to. Like it's fascinating to me that he was so useless on the power play last year because you would think that a guy who like is real creative, is a good passer, has the speed and skating ability to gain the zone with possession. You would think the power play is where he should rack up all the points. Like, remember Danny Briere? Danny Briere was not good defensively. You know where Danny Briere, like, scored a shitload of his points? On the power play. Because he had more space and because he was hyper-creative and skilled. Like, I don't know why Frost hasn't been able to figure out the NHL power play yet. If he can... That opens up an entirely different pathway for him to be useful. It's just that he hasn't yet, and I don't know why, but he hasn't. And, and the and the argument was... that I the argument that I heard today about like sorry Kelly, but I'm a little bit on a roll here. The argument that I heard today was like you can't blame Morgan Frost because the Flyers power play just stinks. And my counter argument to that is like Frost is supposed to be the guy who makes it not stink. Like right, that's yeah. his job. He's the scorer. He's the playmaker. He's supposed to be the guy we stick in Giroux's spot and let him feed the goal scorers to score the goals. And if he can't do that, then it's like, then what do you do here? Like, you can't just yeah. be an even he, strength scorer. Yeah. If he is a 3C, who's like, okay, he scores a decent amount at even strength. And it's like, oh, and he can be the playmaker on your second power play. Yes, exactly. Oh, well, now we have something. Yep. But... He needs that next level. I would like to see that. But it is encouraging that he was getting a lot of that scoring at even strength. I will say I, I look at that as more a positive than a negative. You'd just like to see more on the power play, too. Like, add to this now. Yes. Kelly, okay. I'm, I'm sorry I interrupted you there. So if you it's had okay. anything you wanted it's to okay. add. I just, I was rolling, and I was like, I can't stop. I gotta keep going. It's fine. <laughs> I like it when Charlie gives away his athletic content for free on this Me show. Me too. Um, it's great for us. So this team, uh, we talked maybe Gauthier. It seems they're going to try Gauthier at center. He had some success there. But even without that, you know, Couturier, we have no idea what to get out of him. They just moved Kevin Hayes, who the coach didn't even believe was a center. Scott Lawton, you know, probably better at wing. Who knows how long he's going to be around. They badly need centers. But given the state of the blue line, do you think it's possible we see like a 2013 to 2015 type of focus on defense over the next couple of years, specifically at the draft. Hmm. Isn't next year's draft pretty defense heavy as far as the good players? It's, it's pretty defense heavy. However, the top two players are forwards, at least hmm. who they're. So like, it's kind of one of those drafts where like, yeah. if you get one of the top two picks, you're taking a forward. If you're in the top 10, otherwise there's a good chance you're taking a D man. Cause there's a lot of good ones. It's just right now, it doesn't look like there's one guy who's like, you know, a Victor Hedman or a Rasmus Dahlin who like people are excited enough to say he's a potential first overall pick kind of guy. Right. So that's kind of where, where they're at there. But Bill, to answer your question, like, yeah, I could say it. I mean, I think Keith Jones in particular is coming into this with the belief that like they need to remake the, the back end that it's yep. not good enough and they need some real blue chippers. They were super duper excited about getting Oliver Bonk. Um, they think that he can be a big piece of this. I think they really like Cam York, but like that's just two pieces. I think yeah. Jonesy really likes Risto, which like we know. Um, we know that. We know that. He is very clear but, like, about it. 
I think they know <laughs> that like none of the guys they have currently, including Bonk, who they like a lot, and probably including York, who I think they like a lot too, none of these guys are an alpha. Like none of no. these guys are the guy on a blue line core. And I think they know they need to get that guy, which means that like, yeah, if the Flyers don't have one of the top two two picks, I think they're going defense next year with that top ten pick. Absolutely. Like you just you look at this blue line right now. Who plays the like who I know when we traded Provorov, it was like good. They finally answered the question, well, who plays those minutes with who cares? It doesn't nope, matter. Nobody. Yeah. And it doesn't. It could no. be any one of us playing those minutes <laughs> and it would be better for the team. But when I read you, so this is the seven right now on Cab Friendly. Like, this is the seven defensemen. Sanheim, Risto, Walker, York, Stahl, Sealer, Zamula. <laughs> Who plays the yeah. most minutes? You know what, though? It would be neat if the Flyers used this as an opportunity to kind of rethink the way NHL coaches deploy defensemen. Like, turn it into more of like a defense by committee where you don't have to have one guy that plays 30 minutes a night. You kind of just roll three lines of defensemen and see what happens. I know it's never going to happen because no one ever does anything different in hockey, but I mean, it would be kind of neat just because like, this is the situation. We don't have a guy that should be playing 30 minutes a night. So if you don't have him, why not try something creative and see what the fuck happens? I totally agree with you, Kelly. I think that's absolutely what they should do now because they don't have, they don't have a guy who, who really should be taking those minutes. That said, I do think that like, you want that guy if for no other reason than you want that guy taking 30 minutes in the playoffs because you want to be able to use yeah. a super stud yeah. defenseman for half the game in the playoffs and be Chris Pronger. Like, that's what you want. Right. And of course. It, it, almost, it, so almost matters, of it almost matters more in the playoffs than it does in the regular season, truthfully. Definitely. Yeah. I think minutes should be managed a lot better in the regular season. Yeah. Yes. Like, I, while Ivan Provorov could play 27 minutes a night. I think you're getting a lot of like, yeah, like unless this is like a game at the end of the season against the Rangers to determine who gets in, I I don't really see the point in doing it on a nightly basis, unless you're just saying we don't have anyone else, which they didn't either. Like, (laughs) but like, if that's the case, then why are we doing? So we're just going to burn this guy out for no reason. Like, I think like a lot of his development could have been hurt (laughs) by those big minutes. Yeah. Like Ryan Suter, like how much do you hear when when Suter still plays the minutes? Well, he or uh, Drew Doughty, like he knows how to conserve the energy. Like, or let's just give him minutes where he can go all out on every shift, and he's not just kind of coasting when he has to. Like, because it's what you have. If you're gonna play thirty minutes, you're gonna coast sometimes. Yeah, of course. Like that's A lot just of the times. way it's gonna be. Yeah. yeah, like that's just the way it's gonna have to be. I yeah. So I, I'm down with managing the minutes more in the regular season, but. Right now, is Sanheim Risto like the top pair? After yes, we just spent two be. years going, Risto is not a top pair guy, and we know Sanheim's not that. Embrace like, the tank, Bill. <laughs> I just, I, I'm embracing it. I'm fine with it. Who's the top four? Like, who? York say Sanheim and... Risto are your top pair. Who's pair two? Yeah, York and the York Stall. Yeah, probably like York Stall, right? Like maybe you move York Yikes. over to the right side, and then Stalls. Because I mean, Stall was. <laughs> Like, granted, he wasn't good at it, but he did play top four minutes for that Florida team in the playoffs. So, like, like he can do it. Can't do it well, but he can do it. 
So, like, it's either him or Sean Walker, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> then it's like Walker, Walker, Sealer, Zamula. Like, that's what we're talking about yeah, here? Yeah, probably. Well, what? Seal, Justin and great, up yeah, to. Again, yeah. great. Embrace the tank. But I'm really interested to see what Tortorella does. That's all. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. John Tortorella. He's coaching to win. We can embrace the tank. The front office can embrace the tank, even though they say they don't believe in it. It's like, well, you haven't replaced your number one defenseman, your number two defenseman, or your number one center going into last season. So clearly you do believe in tanking a little. They can say that all they want, but we know John Tortorella will not be embracing any sort of tank. I'm just very interested to see how he handles this upcoming season. But this show was a nice, fun focus on the future. Uh, one last thing before we wrap it up here. I asked this question a few minutes ago about Morgan Frost. This is, I think, the question on everyone's mind. Will Carter Hart be the goalie of the next Flyers playoff team? Um, ask me that question in about three weeks. Is that is that when we're going to know? <laughs> I, I mean, I, I can't I, fucking take it anymore. I, with the drips and drabs, and yep. the, we're gonna find out soon. Everyone gird your loins for the news, and then nothing ever happens. This has been tell yeah. Me. yeah, it's been the entire this is year. infrastructure week. But what I will say is that I can tell you that the athletic newsroom, as a collective whole, is preparing for this to come out in the near future. Which means that multiple writers, not just me, are hearing that this is close. So you know what? I will say I've I've had this happen three or four times over the course of the last calendar year that it's coming, be ready, be ready. And then it never did. But like, it does feel like this time is a little different in that. Like, I don't know if they can put it off any longer. I will couch this by saying, I don't have any definitive insider information, but I feel very confident that this is not going to end well for the flyers. I mean, you know what? Betting really? on the betting on the worst case scenario for the Flyers would make you a lot of money over the last two, three years. So that's fair. I fair. have a bad feeling about this. I just I, don't want to believe it. I don't want to believe it either because he seems like he just seems like such he a seems nice like boy. a nice kid. But also, we don't fucking yeah. know anything about him. We don't know. I just I can't. I can't have any. I, I can't make a. I feel like it's wrong to make some yeah. sort of. It is. It's yeah, a gross thing to want to like to speculate about it. It's it's horrible that we even have to think about it. It fucking sucks to have to say like this is bad for my ice hockey team because like obviously the situation here is much more important than sports or. But we're covering the ice hockey team, and it's right. a thing. I know, and and I I do think that the Flyers might have a problem. That said. It's also the NHL, and I could absolutely see them saying, like, you're suspended for one season, and then since you're a very good goalie, we're just going to go ahead and bring you back. I mean, the most likely scenario in my head, and I don't know what's actually true or not, but the people who will be blamed are not under NHL contracts. I mean, the the one guy that very much, like, jumped out at me was, um, I believe it was that Formentin guy on Ottawa where, like, mm-hmm. his contract was up last season and, like, Ottawa was just like, nah, we're not going to sign you even though you're an obviously good player. Like, that was like, ooh, they really think he's involved, don't they? So, maybe you might be right. Maybe. The, the problem is there were nine of them. And yeah. n- there's not nine of those guys that aren't NHL hockey yeah. players. It was a pretty good hockey team. So yeah, it's like, that's a fair point. Fair enough. 
Yeah, it's. I'm just it's trying to think of the gross. way they all could best sucks. sweep it under the rug because that's that's like, going to be that's what what's going to happen. Absolutely, yeah. they're going to do their best to see to it that the actual hockey is affected as little as humanly possible. They don't really give a fuck about the morality of any of this. They're going to, and and that's why I could see a scenario in which these guys are suspended for some length of time, but the ones that are actually quite good, and there are a number of them that are actually quite good will be brought back eventually by, by the flyers, by some other team. I don't know, but like if Carter Hart is implicated in this, he's been too good a goaltender. I think like for this to end his career, I just don't see it happening because it's hockey and everyone gets their second chance and third chance and fourth chance and fifth chance. Because if you're a good hockey player, that's all that matters. I I mean, I don't, I, I, I could see it. Yeah. Yeah. If, if if the NHL isn't going to suspend the, the players implicated in this for life, if he's a good player, he'll probably play hockey in the NHL again. Yeah, for sure. You would assume. Yeah. Like, you know, mm-hmm. lots of bad guys play pro sports. Yeah. It's, lots of... It's true. Yeah. A number of them in the NHL right but now. I just, like, I just hate speculating. Cause it, it's sucks. So, yeah, it sucks. One, it's so ugly. Like, yeah. it's like, if he didn't, if he did, like, it's, it's bad either way. Fucking ugh. Yes. I just, it sucks. The whole it's, situation sucks. I wish we could just focus on the hockey. Hopefully we're able to do that real soon. I hope, I hope so. everyone enjoyed today's show, taking a little look a few years down the line and the future decisions, uh, you know, facing the team, whether they be near or distant future. Uh, anything else going on in Flyers world and hockey that we haven't touched on? All right. That will do it for us. That is all the time we have for you on BSH Radio this week. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. And do not forget, Broad Street Hockey Radio is presented by Bet Online. Uh, make sure you hit that subscribe button next time you're perusing the old podcast. You want to help support the show? Do so. Leave a little review. You know, five stars, some nice words. If it's a good one. It helps one. us all. Don't, don't leave a bad review. Yeah. Just a good one. You can say bad things, but give five stars. <laughs> like, you can say we're a bunch of assholes, but just give us five stars, too. Like, even it out karmically. All right, that's it. Uh, for Steph, for who's not here, I don't know why I started with Steph. She's not on today's show. <laughs> she's for, here in spirit. For Kelly, for, yeah, she's always here in spirit. For Kelly, for Charlie, my name is Bill Matz. Have a great week, everybody. Are you ready to talk about sports?
What is up, Astros fans? This is Jeff Balky and my partner, former Astro Jeff Blum from the Believe in Astros podcast to tell you baseball is back and we've got your world champion Houston Astros covered. Every week we go inside the clubhouse, break down the games, discuss the players and give you everything you need to know about the Houston Astros baseball organization with special guests and a few surprises all summer and into the postseason. So tune in to the Believe in Astros podcast. That's B-L-E-A-V on Apple spotify youtube and everywhere you get your podcasts go astros